0: This is Arthur Kronos, and I'm here with Dr. Fred Biamonti, and uh, we were having an interesting discussion about how, when a chiropractor gets out of school and goes into business, that there's lots and lots of things that were never covered in like any chiropractic college, and it, even after years, sometimes one chiropractor talking to another discovers something that the second one is doing that you know would make business better and easier. And so I asked Dr. Bermonti if he would be willing to just pick one of these subjects that he ran across and found some solutions for with us today. So, hello Dr. Bermonti. Good afternoon, Arthur. Okie dokes, we were talking about, um, about you finding some things that you learned how to do differently. Could you just introduce a little bit about your background, how you got interested in chiropractic in the first place? Well, I'm
1: interested in chiropractic. I had been going to a chiropractor since I was eight years old. So chiropractic was part of my life. It was just normal for me to go to a chiropractor. I had an MD, too, but I liked the chiropractor. He didn't give me any shots. my career goal had been to go to the Air Force Academy, and that fell apart. Um, I was kind of adrift and living at home, and frankly, the reason I became a chiropractor was because the college was 1,200 miles from home. Um, It was not a career goal. It was not a a life-altering event. It was just an alternative to um, living at home with my parents at 19 years of age. So it seemed like a good idea at the time. It's worked out over the last 50 years, too. Uh, So I had a nice, successful practice for 47 years, moved from Florida to Washington, um, was an associate for the first five years of my practice, and uh, retired due to uh, some health issues, um, bypassed, to be frank, um in uh well first of twenty seventeen let's call it january first twenty seventeen
0: excellent yeah. okay Go ahead. okay uh, now what is uh <clears throat> you you mentioned that you ran into a number of things that you had to work out and ask friends about and such as that. what is one of the problems or challenges that you encountered as you begin to learn how to put together your own practice and Um, What did you run into that you found uh, some good solutions for? Well, one
1: of the things, and this is on a practical level, not on a psychological level, but one of the things practically, was um, just basically, how do you answer a phone? I mean, beyond hello, or beyond good morning, good afternoon, good night, whatever, Um, How do you answer a phone in such a way as people feel welcome and feel open to um, making an appointment, or at least guided to make an appointment? And so uh, learning how to um, just answer a phone correctly was was one of those things that, A, you never learn in college, um, and B, uh, most people don't talk about, uh, it was only through literally thousands of hours of of attending various classes and whatever that um, I was able to learn this type of thing. It's not unique to me, and, pro- and I honestly could say it was probably in the first few hundred hours that I learned this. So it wasn't something that um, took a lot of skill. It just took understanding and memorization.
0: Does that makes sense very good that makes sense. Uh, so how about for someone that hadn't already worked this out, how about you go over what it is what is it that you learn uh, about answering the phone so as you had mentioned earlier so you can get better qualified patients and so and so that you can also get increased referrals
1: Well basically number one, you have a script and your staff follows the script. Now, with that, they should have understanding of what the script means and how it's important that they use the script. Otherwise, they're going to resist and say, I don't like a script, scripts are not, not real, and set all the excuses that people have for not using a script. Most major companies, if they don't have some electronic thing today, which I hate, um, have scripts for their staff to um, utilize, and so consequently, there are scripts in chiropractic offices, starting with just basically what what is on the face of the staff person when they answer the phone. Do they have a smile? I don't care what people say. People can hear a smile over the phone. If you are frowning, pissed off, upset, angry, it will come through no matter how nice you try to be. But if you put a smile on your face when you're upset and angry, it seems to come make it much softer and easier to tolerate. So answering the phone, put a smile on your face first of all. Secondly, people are calling the office to see the doctor for some reason. So what, do you, what, what is the purpose of the call? They want to talk to the doctor. They want to see the doctor or whatever. So when you answer the phone, let's not go into a long-term or a a bunch of verbiage before you get down to the meat. What is the first thing they want to know? Did I get the right office? So what do you say? In my case, it would be the the Beaumontic Chiropractic Office. Second, who am I talking to? And it's Mary. So you, you don't have to say this is, obviously it is. You just say, oh well, my chiropractic office, Mary, you put an upload, the, the question mark at the end of that particular of your name with a smile on your face. It creates that question without having to ask a question. The idea of saying good uh, saying good morning, well, uh, my chiropractic office, this is Mary. How may I help you? I mean, I'm asleep by the time we get to how do I help you. And secondly, no, you can't help me. I want the damn doctor. If you could help me, fine. And so you want to get it concise, you want to get it down. They've got the office, they know who they're talking to. From there, it begins with, "I'd like to make an appointment. Is the doctor in? etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. The next thing that you have to do is you have to establish who is who are you talking to, if they haven't already told you. So the next phrase is, may I ask who's calling? Um, and from there, it's, uh, it's Sally Sue Smith. Um, and the next question is, and when was the last time you saw the doctor? Why is that important? Why is that important? Why didn't you just say, um, have you seen the doctor before? What if Sally Sue's been a patient who's been coming in for a hundred years to see the doctor? You just pissed her off. So you don't say that. You say, when was the last time you saw the doctor? Now, they're going to say if they're a new patient, they're going to say something like, well, I've never seen the doctor before. Your answer, wonderful, we look forward to seeing you and helping you. Why is that you want to, number one, recognize, approve of, and appreciate that patient. That is your number one goal besides get number one goal is getting, having them make an appointment. Number two goal is making them feel good about making that appointment. Everybody, they, remember this, there's a principle called the RAW principle, R-A-A. RAW principle. Everybody wants to be recognized, approved of, and appreciated. I add the three letters, capital letters, R-A-A, underneath the counter so that when my staff was looking at a phone or looking at a patient, they could look up, look down, there was RAA to remind them to recognize, approve of, and appreciate. It may be Stinky Smith coming in the office, but he's got a nice bow tie on, and you can see that through the stink. And you say, gee, Stinky, excuse me, gee, Mr. Smith, (laughs) gee, Mr. Smith, that's a neat bow tie. (laughs) <laughs> try not to say stinky <laughs> it might uh, he might be offended there's a story in there too but we don't have time for that today uh,
0: anyway okay, so then stinky is happy because you have appreciated his bow tie and uh, exactly. okay, you got approved and appreciate all in that one sentence so that, I, that's pretty cool and then, and then what's next? Well, now
1: that you've got the patient, you know who the patient is. And by the way, one of the psychological tricks in, and not trick, but the psychological facts is, once a person gives you their name, they're more likely to make an appointment. Even though you've never heard this person before, never heard of the person before, somehow or other, without giving you their name, they're still anonymous. Once they've given you your name, you've got probably about a 51% chance that you're gonna make an appointment, at least. So, that's important, I think, if you wanna have new patients come into the office. From there, it's a matter of, um, I forget where we, uh, may I have your name, great. Mrs. Smith, when was the last time you were in the office? Uh, And the answer is never wonderful, Uh, would you like to come in today or tomorrow? Or if it's early in the morning, you might say, do you want to come in this morning or this afternoon? And if it's today, uh, today or tomorrow, then from let's say they say today, and we're gonna go through in one scenario, let's go through the whole thing. Today, uh, this morning or this afternoon? Uh, this afternoon. Good, early or late? Um, Early. We could see you at 2 or 2.15. What does that mean? Well, I just went through. I can see, number one, you always have something or something. The objective is to try and minimize the number of no's that a patient says. You want to lead the patient to yes that you want them in the office. You want them to confirm. You want them to follow through with where you can best serve them. The objective of the call from your side is to serve the patient best. And to do that means they need to be there at a time the doctor has time set aside to be able to serve them best and not squeezing them between two other people making you wait, making them wait, and making him be hurried. That just doesn't work. Patient's sense when you're hurried. They know that. So consequently, you wanna make sure that you are free to be in that space with the patient when they come in. So they've already made an appointment. Um, Two or 215, now let's understand that particular psychology. It could be two or three. But 2 or 2.15 basically is saying, we have an appointment at 2 o'clock. That's all you got on the books, if we're early afternoon. Always something for something or something. That's the best way of making sure that a patient keeps their appointment or gets the appointment they want and works for you as well. So going back, I'm losing track of where we are, but going back, We have got now an appointment time. Who referred you to our office, Mrs. Smith? Um, Well, Shirley Jones. From here, the phrase, the statement is, Shirley Jones, she is a wonderful person. We really appreciate her referring you to us. She refers a lot of people to us and we really, really appreciate her. Let's examine that. Number one, Shirley Jones, if she's a patient in the office, Obviously, you know her, you appreciate her, etc, and maybe or maybe not, she's referred a lot of people. So let's break that down. Even if you don't know Mrs. Jones, I really appreciate Mrs. Jones referring a patient to me. I don't care who she is. I don't care if I've never met her before. I really appreciate her for telling us this patient about us. She's a wonderful person. <laughs> duh, she referred somebody to me. Well, uh, yeah, she's a wonderful person. And she's referred a lot of patients to me. I am not lying. Why do you know that? Because most people refer will refer 5, 10, 15 people before one will actually show up. So you know that they've referred more than one. They've talked about you to more than one person. It wasn't a secret meeting on the side. You really have to go see Dr. Babanti. It was a verbal thing that she was telling people about you. So now you've honestly said that you appreciate Mrs. Jones, that, she, that she's a wonderful person, and that she's told a lot of people about you. What have you done to this new patient? You've just planted the seed for how they can be recognized, approved of, and appreciated. They can refer more people to you. Now, is that by itself going to cause them to refer to you? No, you're planting seeds. You're building on a conversation with the patient at the beginning that will help to stimulate more referrals to you. This is going to be carried out throughout your your uh, uh, practice as far as how you process the patient when they come in, how you process the patient when you, the doctor first meets them, how the process the patient is processed when there's a report of findings, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, and then each subsequent visit after that. Referral, referral, referral. Not crudely, subtly. Again, building on the recognized, approved of, and appreciated factors. And you're not being dishonest because I think most people really recognize, approve of, and appreciate patients who refer other patients to them. I think they look forward to seeing them more often. They're happier around them. And so you're not lying, you're not making up stuff, you're telling your honest emotion and expressing it in a script that you've prepared so that the patient is getting the continual reinforcement of recognition, approval, and appreciation, which is your loving service, my first technique in an office, LSMFT. Once you make the appointment, it's a matter of Mrs. Jones, which uh, Mrs. Smith, Would you like to make, uh, fill out uh, the appointment, uh, uh, your pre-appointment paperwork online, or would you like to fill that out here in the office? If you'll do it online and bring it in, we'll need you to come in about 10 minutes uh, earlier because there's some additional paperwork that we have to do in person. Um, If not, if you need to fill out the paperwork here in the office, don't have access to a computer, then we would suggest that you come in at least 20 minutes earlier so that you can fill out the necessary paperwork before the doctor sees you. That would be the new patient process. The, well, there is then. So, Mrs. Jones, do you have any questions? That's just a simple, straightforward person wanting to get in. There's also the person who's in acute pain, the person who says it's an emergency. Understand that in a chiropractic office, there are no true emergencies. True emergencies are going to the ER. They're dying. Nobody's dying to get into the chiropractor. Well, there's a philosophical conversation there, but mm, for the most part, they aren't dying. But if they declare it an emergency, this doc, I, I got to get in. This is an emergency. I can't stand this pain anymore. And you come. Most of us that have been in practice for a while realize that nine out of 10 times they've had the pain for six weeks before they say this, but okay, it's an emergency, who cares? If they declare it an emergency, it's an emergency. If a person has a migraine headache and they're in pain, I don't know if you've ever had a migraine, I've never had, thank God, but even so, I'm told it's excruciating, that's an emergency. So you want to get them in as soon as possible. So what is it we can see you this morning and this afternoon, uh, this morning? All of our appointment times this morning are taken uh, unless, doc, unless this is an emergency, is what you say. So that's the alternative. They, they agreed to the afternoon or they declared, I'd really like to get in this morning. I've got My headache is killing me, um, et etc." et cetera. Well, all of our appointment times this morning are taken However, if this is an emergency, the doctor would want to see you right away, and we will work you in. Is this an emergency? Recognize? Recognize their declaration of pain, an emergency. They may get there and it's just a, who cares? They declared it an emergency. You recognized it, you approved of it, you appreciated their situation, and now you're showing concern.
0: Outstanding. Now, you've covered an awful lot in a small amount of time. Oddly enough, some of the things that you've talked about fit with a little bit of my own past experience because, A, I trained hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of answering service operators when my wife and I I operated answering services all around, cities all around the San Francisco Bay. And... I also became a certified hypnotherapist, studied NLP, and there's a couple of things that I might add in, that maybe they're already in there, but just while we're on the subject, is it okay if I suggest a couple of things and clarify a couple of things from what you said? I'll tell you if you're, I'll tell you if you're wrong, on that? <laughs> okay, that's fine. Number one, here's a secret that almost no one knows. If you teach your staff, uh, their resistance from people will drop by about 30%. When I tested this in an appointment sitting situation one time, it also increased my measuring uh, my appointments made by 30% in a two week measured experiment against a baseline. And that is match the caller's speech rate. If they talk real fast, they're from the East Coast, and you talk real fast. You, you know, you talk at the same speed. All you do is just talk at the same speed. Doesn't matter. If they talk real slow, like they're from the deep south, then you don't get a false southern accent, but you talk real slow, too. Now, here's why. Their talking is showing you the speed at which they process verbal speech. If they're from the south and you talk real fast, you're one of those damn Yankees. You're you're a fast-talking dude. They will mistrust you. But if you talk at the speech rate that they process naturally, they will get what you're saying without resistance and vice versa. If they're coming to coast and they talk real fast and you come on back like this at a different speech rate, they think there's something wrong with you. But if they talk real fast, you just talk real fast. That one thing right there will reduce resistance on the part of the other person, no matter what words you're using. And when I measured it in terms of making appointments, it actually increased it by 30%. Now, It's not a good enough test to know that that's the percentage, but that's something that you can teach staff. Then we did, we taught our operators. This is where it was most important with us, because they stopped getting people who were hostile or resistant for no apparent reason, just by matching speech rate. The second (laughs) you mentioned is that you said after they give their name, they're more likely to make an appointment. Well, a real light bulb went off for me when you said that, because of course, We know from marketing funnels and things like that, persuasion, studies on persuasion, every micro-commitment they make means that they're more on the program. But I never, ever thought about this before. After they give their name, they're more likely to make an appointment. And the way you propose to get their name, clearly it's going to work. It's straightforward. That's really a good one. And the only other thing I had was when you were speaking a moment ago, you said, LSMFT. Well, once, a long, long time ago, that was in commercials, meaning Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. And then when I was a high school kid, we used to say it to mean, let's sit in my fannies tired. But I, you didn't say what it was that you meant by LSMFT. So what does LSMFT mean? But
1: I did. You just didn't catch it. I didn't catch it. service, my first technique. Loving, Loving service. My At first.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: All right. Now that I got was, it. That, By the way, that's I do give due credit that I did not come up with that. That comes out of a Parker seminar. Jim Parker, uh, for I don't know, almost fifty years was leading a program, and uh, that was that was out of his program. Uh, he's been uh, well. It's been twenty nine years now since he last gave a seminar, uh, but it was an excellent tool. Anyways, that was his procedure that I learned from him.
0: Excellent. Well, now, you said you have a script. Now, I believe that means a written script, does it not? Yes. And uh, do you, uh, you you have a format for this script, like uh, uh, they say this, you say that, if they say this, you say that, something like that? There is that, yes. And how do you coach? I know about the resistance to scripts. We did that, too. And we found that it may work a heck of a lot better than improvising. Even I, myself, who was making up the script, once I finally had it, uh, got better results following the script. And if you don't have any script and it's something you have no clue about, then... I learned that what you do is you improvise like crazy till you talk to about 100 people and by the time you talk to 100 people they're all saying you are saying the same words over and over again because you've unconsciously worked out your script and they're asking the same questions. But here any chiropractor who doesn't have this worked out can use your script and save all the losses in talking to those 100 people. So you have developed this and you write it up And people will have objections to it. They'll say, I sound like a robot. And you have to address these objections because people resist any change to the status quo. If they're used to making that stuff and you suggest a change to the status quo, they will automatically resist. But the way you position it is and say, well, you know, uh, I used to feel that way. And what we did is we thought maybe this would help get, our blah, 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 better. And so I'd like to try this as an experiment. And what we did when we tried that experiment is we found that the appointments went up by X. So I would like you to give this, you know, a a sincere try for three to four weeks. And then, you know, if you still have issues, let's talk about it. Would that be okay with you? That's one way of doing it. That's one way of getting agreement to it. But they will resist it. And they'll say things like, But I'll sound like a robot. You could respond, well, if you talk like this, as if you are reading the script, then, of course, it will not work very well. You kind of have to make the script your own. And that does not mean change all the words around to make your own. Just make the words that are there your own. It's a little bit of a trick. At least that's what we found, but we did get it done, and it sounds like you got it done. Do you have any favorite techniques, or what did you do to get compliance from your staff So that they would participate in using these scripts. Uh, A whip and chain. The whip. Was it a large whip or a small whip? (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Okay. No, I, I. The. I think
1: the most important thing to do. Two things, actually. One is explain why these words have to be said in this order. Why do we cut out all the superfluous words in the greeting. It's a matter of, here you are, who I am. I mean, that's all you need to say, really. And the rest of it, good morning, good night, good afternoon, whatever it is, it may not be a good day at all for the person calling. And so you're just kind of creating a negative thought in the person's head when you say, let's imagine that you are in excruciating low back pain and somebody says, Hi, good morning. Yeah, right. Well, what do you want to do? Punch him in the freaking nose. Yeah. Because it's not a good morning. No. So it's a matter of where are you
0: and who are you. That's why you do it this way.
1: May I help I've already explained
0: that. I really like the way that your script meets them where they are when they're coming on the phone. And I also very much like the way that you explained it and I imagine that would dissolve a lot of resistance on the part of well, the
1: staff. The second part of how do you get them to use it is practice. You have in your staff meeting, or even before they're put onto the phone themselves, you work with them, play, role-playing with them. You're the patient, they're the CA, they're the person answering the phone, and you play with them and explain as they make the mistakes, as they will, they'll slip back into their own old habits, and you just kind of go with it over and over and over. And you, they, they have their office procedure manual, which they will take home and ask their spouse or, or significant other or a friend or whatever to role play with them so they can get the script down and feel more sincere. The purpose, again, and that I think is, is the underlying um, rationale for using a script, is that you want to help the person without getting to know. You want to help the person get an appointment, come into the office, feel better. And if you use good scripts and good wording and good verbiage, you make it easier for them to get in and get the help. The person on the phone in a chiropractic office is the first step to the healing process, and you want that to be as smooth as possible so that they have as little resistance to getting better, getting in and getting better from your care. So they are an integral part of the patient healing. Don't piss them off right away. You know, let the doctor do that by himself or herself. We're good at it. We're professionals at pissing people off. It's it's the way it works. But At least why it did for me, and still does.
0: <laughs> okay. Dr. Ramonte, thank you so very much. Now, you've given us basically a well-thought-out script, a concise analysis of why it works that makes perfect sense. In addition, between us, you've hashed out some ideas for how uh, to get this implemented in, in the, in the, into the practice, into the in working of the staff. And I thank you very much. This is a brilliant system. It might sound simple, but I imagine that any chiropractor who does this and implements your system will enjoy happier patients coming in the door, a staff that knows what to do and is effective, how to maximize the number of people who show up for those appointments, better qualified patients, and you threw in some good information about how to maximize uh, not only patient retention, but getting referrals down the line, and did all that in a fairly short time. Thank you so very much for sharing what it took you a while to work out in a nice and actionable format. Thank you so much.
1: You're quite welcome. Look forward to working with you again.
0: For more information, contact Dr. Fred Beaumonti, DC, on Facebook or on LinkedIn, or you can email him at at fwbdigit3dc@live.com. That's fwb the digit three dc@live.com.